0: Hello everyone, this is Dr. Carmen Pugliafito. Welcome back to Retina Synthesis. I'm happy to have with us today, Dr. Carl Danzing of the Rand Eye Institute in South Florida. Carl, welcome back to Retina Synthesis. Thanks for having me back, Carmen. It's a real honor to be here. We're gonna talk today about the Iveric Bio uh, anti-complement agent and its visual acuity results and it's the phase three gather trials. Can you refresh our memory about the biology of this drug?
1: Right. So Pegol is a pegylated RNA aptamer. It's an inhibitor of C5, complement C5. So what we're looking at here is by inhibiting C5, we're slowing inflammation and progression of GA. And that's what we looked at in the Gather 1 and Gather 2 program. You know, Gather 1 and Gather 2 were the it's the first program where we have two pivotal clinical trials that met its primary endpoint. And what we saw in the gather one trial was a reduction uh, of GA growth by just over 27%. And the gather two, just over 14%. Both were statistically significant.
0: But so you recently talked about a post- uh study and analysis of visual results
1: what did that correct show? so what we what i looked at and what i talked about at arvo was a post hoc analysis of vision loss from the gather program and what we saw you know were really three things that we looked at what we saw was that there were fewer patients who had experienced a greater than 10, 15, or 20 letter loss at 12 months. With treatment, Avacincaptopigol, two milligrams versus sham. Furthermore, we also saw that treatment with ACP two milligrams resulted in a 56% risk reduction of persistent vision loss compared to sham at 12 months. Persistent vision loss, that means two consecutive visits of 15 letters or more. And for the first time ever, we were able to see a relationship between worsening visual acuity and GA lesion growth.
0: So, what was the entry criteria for the gathered gather trials? Were they foveal lesions, subfoveal lesions?
1: So all patients were foveal non-center point involving uh, in both clinical trials. So if there's a subfoveal component, the patient was not allowed in the trial.
0: So, so what was the relative chance of having a three-line vision loss, persistent vision loss? was reduced by
1: 56%? Right. So what we saw, so we picked 15 letters, three lines, because that was kind of standard, you know, in, in other ophthalmology trials for vision loss. And then we wanted to see, well, was this vision loss you know, acute or transient, or was it really persistent? So we wanted to make it two consecutive visits. Could it have been three, could it have been four? Yes, but over 12 months, we felt that two consecutive visits was reasonable. And what we also did in determining this, we went back and we had a mass uh, analysis of the images uh, to uh, you know, ensure that the findings were, were robust and you know, accurate. So what we saw was that patients who were in the trials had a 56% risk reduction of having this persistent vision loss. Now, who could be in the trial? Well, everyone, or who could be in this study? Everyone in the trial was eligible to be in the study. No one was censored out of it. So every single patient was eligible for vision loss by necessity of their advanced dry AMD with geographic atrophy you know, state. And treatment, monthly treatment HCP 2 milligrams, you know, showed a 56% risk reduction. But what we also showed was that if you moved it to 10 letters or 20 letters, that relationship was persistent or was consistent for reduction, risk reduction of persistent vision loss. So it wasn't just 15 letters. It was also, if we looked at 10 and also 20.
0: So this is powerful data. That drives I agree. This, drives the value of anti-complement therapy.
1: I think it's really important because you know when we look back at early trials for wet AMD, you know we were looking at those three-line losers. You know it wasn't until we had you know anti-vegf that we could start talking about visual gains. But before that, you know the paradigm and the conversation was you know, what can we do to preserve your vision longer and reduce, you know, vision loss? And at this juncture, in the early stages of treatment for dry AMD, you know, I think that's how we have to think about the disease. But this is powerful. And this is exciting that we have a talking point for patients. Because, you know, before, there was very little hope for these patients. It was a conversation of well, we can use our vitamins, we can hopefully prevent you know neovascularization by taking these vitamins twice a day a reds 2
0: so do you think that acpt acp2 will be approved for extrafoveal lesions as opposed to both extrafoveal and subfoveal lesions
1: you know it's really speculative now what the fda is going to say i mean i don't know how the label is going to read i think that for patients what would be most beneficial would be for treatment of advanced AMD with geographic atrophy. Limiting it to extra foveal, I'll leave that up to the, F, you know, the FDA. Uh, and I have no knowledge of their thought process at this juncture, well, you know, if it gets approved and what the label would be, if so.
0: How does this agent compare to Appellus, the apellis pexedica
1: drug? You know, so pexidocoplin is the first approved uh, medication and therapy uh, for advanced AMD with geographic atrophy. So this, you know, medicine, captive pegol could potentially be another medication on the market uh, that could treat this also. This drug, this program at both prim- at primary endpoints in both clinical trials and Showed at 12 months no incidence of ischemic optic neuropathy or vasculitis, and has been deemed safe thus far. Obviously, further investigations ongoing, and further analysis will be done for year two. But at this juncture, you know, you know, all investigators have been pretty excited about the prospect of another drug coming to market, hopefully, and hopefully helping more and more patients. Um,
0: Any other? Findings from the visual results study that do you want to bring to our attention?
1: Yeah, there's actually one thing that, that the very end part of the, my talk is actually the, my favorite part of, of the presentation. And it talked about the relationship of lesion growth and vision loss. And what we saw was that patients who were in the sham arm that did not experience vision loss, they had about a 2.5 millimeter squared lesion growth from baseline to month 12. Whereas the treatment arm at about 0.4 millimeter squared less, 2.1. However, when you start looking at patients that had vision loss, that 10, 15, or 20 letter loss, that patients in the sham arm who had vision loss had greater GA growth. And the same was true in the avastin Captive 2 milligram arm, but it was much less. And what we saw was, you know, whether or not you had vision loss treatment with ACP2 milligrams reduced GA lesion growth. And that's exciting for us because we see you know, first time a link, a correlation between vision loss and GA growth. And again, this is exciting because this is a good talking point also for patients. You know, this allows doctors to be able to have a, a more robust and interesting conversation with patients where they feel that they are helped. Because right now, the, the, the challenge is going to be, I feel moving forward, is having patients stay on treatment. Whatever treatment it's going to be, it's hard for patients to want to stay on it because it's not that conversation that their friends who have wet AMD have. You know, oh, doc, am I doing better? My vision got better, like, is there still fluid? Here it's, well, how is my geographic atrophy, doc? And it's, you know, well, it's still there. It's outside your fovea and, or it hasn't grown much and your vision's still the same but we know that as the lesion grows, our patients are having more and more, you know, functional difficulties. And when we talk to them, they're having trouble with maybe facial recognition or, you know, dim lighting and reading menus or even driving. So this allows us to be able to have more of a conversation with patients to show that they can hopefully retain enough vision to have, you know, the ability to continue their activities that they need to live and Enjoy to participate in.
0: Now, this is important. Is this drug going to be administered monthly every other month, or will there be a choice?
1: So we will see. You know, in the in the trials, it was monthly. So if my guess is going to be that it's going to if it's going to be approved, it'll probably be approved monthly. Now we'll see what the flexibility of the label shows. Uh, it's it's hard to say at this point, but we're hoping for, you know, an answer soon from the FDA one way or another. And, you know, we'll, we'll see in the real world how it, how it will be administered. But the label, I, I suspect maybe would be monthly, but we'll
0: see. That's a powerful argument for the value of treatment.
1: I agree. And I think that, you know, the more we educate patients, the more that we Talk about it uh, with our other retina with other retina specialists, with other ophthalmologists, with optometrists, and and getting the word out that there is treatment today for patients, and more treatment on the horizon, and that there's more investment in this field. uh, Not just with Ivaric Bio, but you know, there's there's other clinical trials going on now, and my hope is that uh, we'll have two options for patients this calendar year and maybe many more in the future, but this is the dawn of a, a new beginning and is exciting. Thanks for your time, Carl. My pleasure. Thank you, Carmen, for having me.